Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's have a quality start. According to our MLB insider, Andy Martino, the hope and expectation of those involved is that Craig Council will decide on his future over the next several days. Council is a known candidate with the Mets as well as Cleveland. And, of course, he still could return to Milwaukee. Speaking of Milwaukee, there was a report last night from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, saying that if the Brewers match the top offer for Council, he'll almost certainly stay in Milwaukee. I was a little surprised by that. Harp, how are we feeling about the latest reports? Well, I'll tell you, Steve Cohen's not going to want to hear that. You know, he, he does not like to be played. We saw how angry he got after the whole Stephen Matz thing, which turned out to be a blessing for the Mets. Uh, mm. He felt like he reneged on an offer or whatever. Uh, so I think he's going to have to get, uh, you know, he's going to have to be particular in the way he goes about this with Council. If he's going to make him a big offer, it's going to be one of those deals where he's probably going to have to present him and say, hey, look, I need an answer, yes or no. He's not going to let him take it back to Milwaukee and have it matched. That being said, I can't see Milwaukee matching him. If, they, if he's going to offer him something like $7 million a year, which is possible that, uh, that Milwaukee would match that. So I still think he's the guy. It just feels like he's got to be the guy. I mean, there's no obvious candidates that, you, you know, that stand out. I mean, not necessarily that stand out, but he seems to be the, the, the head and shoulders guy to be their first choice. Yeah, I don't, I don't think money is going to be the deciding factor here. I think that if uh, the Mets want to get Craig Council in there, like they're going to get it done. And so I, I've kind of already mentally prepared for the idea that Craig Council is managing the Mets next year. Obviously, not ha- hasn't been done yet, but I can just see it. I can envision. You think back to his time as a player. Uh, he was always a leader in the clubhouses he was in, going back to like the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2001. I can just picture him there. He just seems like the kind of guy that you want to prop up there and have be one of the, uh, the spokespeople and faces of your franchise. So it seems like a good fit to me my issue is that if council is just looking for the most money which by the way is his right and that's fine i'm not knocking him for wanting the most money but this is new york this is a different animal you want to be here or you just chasing the paycheck because if you want to be here you're going to get paid in accordance with it but there's going to be pressure and you got to be able to make sure you go out there and win and deal with the media and all those different things if he's just looking to get the highest amount or yeah, i know that's that's definitely an issue but we don't know where this is coming from exactly either so who knows look i've heard from somebody that knows him well that he wants to win championships and that's part of his motivation as well which sounds a lot more appealing to the mets fan base for sure but you're right you don't want the money to be the issue why you're coming or you're not coming either you want to go to New York, right. manage in a big spot because he's never been around in New York in a big spot as a in a big seat in a big market as a player or a manager. So that's the one thing you don't know about him. Right. I guess the best way to say it would be if it feels like he wants to be in Milwaukee but will only come to the Mets if it's significantly more money, then it's the wrong move yeah. for the Mets to make. If his heart's in Milwaukee, let him stay there. Let's-
It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, November the 5th, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show up on podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silvat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silvat, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, TalkingMetsNoG, and check out my new newsletter, Substack.com slash at TalkingMetsNoG. And of course, I want to welcome in the good folks at the fan-sided podcasting network, as well as RisingApple.com. So, the offseason is officially upon us. The Texas Rangers are World Series champs. There will be no uh, Game 7 this weekend. We could get on with the offseason. And I'll tell you what, here in New York, with the football situation, at least on the Giants' side, very dicey. Nick's not off to a great start. I mean, we have you know some good hockey going on with the Rangers, but does anybody really care about hockey who listens to this? I probably just defended a good chunk of our audience. What I'm really getting at here is we might be talking off-season baseball, and it might be the big stories here for us as sports fans in New York because it's not a given that our uh, off-season winter sports season is going to be going very far. I don't think the football situation is going to be very good, but... Anyway, that's not why you tuned in. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the show. I want to start out with a couple of thank yous. Uh, first, great feedback from last week about the newsletter. If you haven't signed up yet, uh, it is a paid scenario. There are some free things that you'll get on some posts you get free. But I'll tell you what you missed. We had a great piece on Kodai Singa, and I broke down Kodai Singa's season and how it stands with other uh, great Japanese pitchers, Pete Alonzo and Pete Alonzo's aging curve. We even talked about 1997, went back in history in the Mets at Tiger Stadium. So a lot to talk about. I want to thank a couple of listeners that signed up for the newsletter. Juan Bonilla, thank you, wrote, love your podcast and realistic thoughts on the Mets. Juan, you're the guy. You're the guy that likes to, uh, uh, my opinions. I'm just joking. That's Juan. I'm going to call you Juan don't call me Bobby Bonilla. Every time I see you pop up somewhere, Juan, I think of Bobby Bonilla. Are you related? Let me know. You could email me, Mike Silvette, TalkingMetsPodcast.com, no G. Richard Wood from the UK, uh, thank you for signing up and supporting the newsletter. So a couple of guys signed up, sent me some notes. I want to thank you for that. And of course, for just the low, 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 low price of $5 a month, you could get three to four articles a week. Not going to be moving them over to the show. Obviously, like I had said last week, there's going to be some crossover at times. But for the most part, what I do on the newsletter is going to complement the show. It's not, you don't have to have it. You know, the show is always going to be free. The podcast updates will always be free. You don't have to be a newsletter subscriber. I know that that's a commitment, another commitment. But anyway, that's where we're at. So what are we going to talk about? And we kind of been getting into these two-parter shows. And I'm going to keep with that kind of situation and scenario for now but um you know we're gonna get into the managerial search it's coming down to the wire you heard the report you heard the clip on the way in here we are I waited as long as I can late Sunday night four o'clock football games are coming to an end 
Wanted to see if any news came down. Still no reports about a Mets manager, but we'll get into it. It looks like it's going to be Craig Council or Carlos Mendoza. I'll give you my thoughts about that. The Texas Rangers are World Series champs. Is that significant for the Mets? And no, it has nothing to do with the fact that Scherzer and DeGrom and Travis Jankowski, three members of the 2022 Mets, have rings. No, it has nothing to do with that, but it is somewhat significant. We can look at that. And then in the second half, the second part of the show, we start to break down the offseason. And I think starting pitching, as you saw with the Texas Rangers, starting pitching is so critically important. And we start to rebuild the Mets rotation because that's where it all starts. That's where it starts. And if the Mets can't do that, that's where it's going to end as far as whether or not 2024 will be better, a lot better than 2023. So away we go. Now, the managerial search, Craig Council. And this is by far one of the most unique managerial scenarios I've seen. And we've seen big big name managers go on the market like Joe Torre after he's let go by the Yankees. Joe Girardi, you know, took a year off. He was out there. He was the big name when he went to the Mets, turned him down when he went to Philadelphia. Jimmy Leland's been on the market. You know, you could go on, you know, Terry Francona after he left the Red Sox was has been on the market. But never have I seen it. And, and, and think about all those names. And I just threw out some of those names right now to you. Never have I seen a scenario where a manager goes out on the market like a player Basically, it sounds like the team said, if this is the, and the rumor mill's been hard to come by when it comes to the council. The team says, go out there. We want you back. We are going to look at other options. Go out there and see what you got and come back to us and let us know what you think. The job is yours. We want you here in Milwaukee. You've grown up in Milwaukee. Your dad worked for the Brewers. We love you here. We don't want you to leave. But if you want to see what else is out there, you want to scratch that itch, go right ahead. And now council goes out. Interviews with Cleveland, interviews with the Mets. No idea if he interviewed with Houston or, you know, I obviously the the Padres went, uh, you know, need a manager, but the Giants went a different route and got Bob Melvin. I don't think Council even was considered there. And there's been, as you heard in the clip coming in, there's been some discontent on that because people are saying, and you heard Salicata, our friend Salicata, who likes to always yell and scream and block people on X. Well, you know, if he's coming here just for the money, do we want him now? Let's face it, and Steve Cohen had the best quote. He said this almost immediately when he took over as owner of the Mets. When they say it's not about the money, it's always about the money. Look, everybody has a right, and this goes back to players. And I know people get crazy when you talk about millions on the the player's side and billions on the owner's side. A lot of money, money that a lot of us will never see in our lifetime. But whether you work in corporate America, own a business, baseball player, baseball owner, everybody has an idea about what their market worth is, whatever business they're in. And everybody, based on their accomplishments or their potential or what is the perceived potential, has a right to fair market value. And what I think council has said is that right now, uh, the Brewers are paying me X. I think I'm worth Y. A lot of people in the game think I'm one of the best managers out there. Well, the top manager reportedly, because manager salaries don't always get reported was Joe Torre at $8 million. Top manager usually right now gets about 5 or $6 million. I want to be there. I want to be in the Bruce Bochy, Joe Torre, uh, Tito Francona, top managers out there salary. And as we get further and further away from the Dusty Bakers and the Buck Showalters and Francona's out of the dugout, and who knows, now that Bochy won another World Series, 
How much longer is he going to do this? And you have this new crop of inexperienced front office. I call them front office, members of the front office that are in the dugout managers. There's not going to be many Craig Councils left. I don't know how many former big league ball players are going to be getting jobs. Now, let's say, now, Council wasn't a star, but Council was a solid player that played to the age of 40 and won a championship and scored the winning run with not one, but two teams, expansion teams. Think about that. I mean, within a few years of their existence and is known to be a leader in those clubhouses and what have, a good component player. So, um, I don't know how many guys like this are left. Do I think it's Council or Bust? Clearly, as you read through all the reports, the few reports that are out there, the Mets want counsel. Stearns worked with them. He's comfortable with them. He's made it known he wants to be comfortable with whoever he brings in in the dugout. He's worked under a situation where Stearns and he have that front office dugout simpatico type relationship. I think counsel is a little bit different than the other candidates, the Andy Greens, who are 4A players, the Carlos Mendoza's. I mean, Mark Kotze's name came up, you know, Oakland manager. That was an interesting name. We really don't have a feel of everybody the Mets interviewed outside of council. We know about Carlos Mendoza, but here's the thing. Basically, it sounds like the Mets said, hey, the job's yours. Do you want it or are you not? You know, now he's going to weigh the options. Cleveland, the Mets, do I go back to Milwaukee? And I see some people upset about it, and I'm like, well, why? I don't think this has anything to do with harming his relationship in the clubhouse of any of the teams he would take over. Because the people that he's going to lead do the same thing. Now, I understand what a Lakata is saying in that clip. He's saying, well, if he comes here just for the money, does he understand what he's getting into? And the answer is, you know, I don't think a million dollars a year is going to be the difference. Now, if he gets offered seven or eight from the Mets and four or five from Milwaukee and Cleveland, and they say, that's it, I'm out, I'm not going that far, and he walked away from the Mets interview not feeling good about the media environment, the Cohen mandate, the yoke, all the stuff we talk about. I mean, other than Stearns, if he feels bad about all that other stuff and he takes the job over $3 million a year, now he's going to get paid. But he'll have a miserable existence for a few years and leave home and have his kids uprooted if they get out of Milwaukee. I just don't see, once you're making between five and eight, and yes, when you haven't, you know, Council's not a guy that made big, big money as a player. Made good money, make big money. But he's made, you know, it's easy for me to say, you know, you turn down two or three million dollars a year over a four-year deal, that's eight million dollars a year. That That is, in a place of council, maybe to a certain degree, life-changing money, but you're still walking away with five million dollars a year. And let's face it, once you go into a situation and you fail or you get tarnished as a manager, even with someone with the cachet and the resume of a council, it doesn't always mean you're going to get another job. You have to think of this from a much broader perspective. And sometimes your sanity and your way of living and your lifestyle is worth giving up a couple of million dollars a year. And it's hard for some people who are listening. And to a certain degree, me, it's like, oh, if you give it up, it's like, you know, and go back to Milwaukee and, and or even take the job in Cleveland. And now you're in these, you know, mid-tier markets where they're always going to have to do more with less. Do I want that? And you heard John Harper say, you know, he is motivated by winning championships. This is a guy who is, has been on big-time championship teams. So... You know, it really comes down to, I believe, if it's not home, 
if it's not Milwaukee, it's probably going to be the Mets. And yes, this is unique, you know, this kind of way of going about it where he still has his original job. It's never been done that way. It's no different than when Brandon Nimmo went out and talked to other teams last offseason. And, you know, the Mets locked up Edwin Diaz quick. But, you know, if Pete Alonso's a free agent, he'll go out and he'll potentially try to, uh, you know, be courted if he's a free agent and maybe come back to the Mets. I mean, Aaron Judge went out last offseason and talked to the Giants and, and some other teams before he came back to the Yankees. I don't see anybody in the Yankees clubhouse upset with him. I don't see anybody who roots for the Yankees thinking any less of Aaron Judge now than than before. This happens. It's part of your right as a free agent. And Council, who's a guy that is a union guy, was you know part of the leadership of the Players Association, you have to think about that. You know, he wants manager managers who are now really in danger of being marginalized as a member of the front office that is the liaison. That is the guy that could go down into the dugout and speak front office speak to a bunch of ball players and interpret. That means that position is going to continue to be compromised. And ultimately, if it's that kind of person, the salary is going to be depressed. And I think a guy like Council sees, you know, if I'm one of the top, if not the top managers left out there, well, I don't want to take a step back because. As the Bucks and the Dusties and the Frank Conas and the Bochies go off into the sunset for good, well, it's not going to get any easier going forward. I mean, the manager's position, I don't think you're going to see a lot of big-name managers like the guys I said going forward. You may have them. You may have other Tito Franconas, but, you know, potentially... They're going to be the exception, not the rule. Now, I think the Mets, you know, I saw some chatter on on X where some fans thought, well, if Council turns them down in the next 24 to 48 hours, well, you know, what happens now? Like, do they start the search and they, do they do they bring guys in and do an interview process? GM meetings are next week. Free agency is just around the corner. I think the Mets have done their meetings. I think they had a plan. Uh, you know, Stearns took over. October 2nd or whatever day it was, he knew he was getting the job before then. We knew two weeks before then he was getting the job. He probably already, not probably, he knew he was going to fire Buck. So he's starting to make that list. I mean, it's not like he started working that day. It's not like he had to wait till after the World Series to start his process. Now, you might have to get permission from certain guys and maybe you have to align interviews. I think they've been doing it. I think they've done an excellent job of keeping it quiet. I mean, the managerial search this time around, I mean, the Buck one was kind of, scattered or shoehorned in because you had so many open positions. I mean, Billy Upler was high just a few weeks earlier. So that was a little bit different. You didn't have this extensive thing. And I think Cohen wanted somebody really experienced because you needed that stability. Now, where Stearns is kind of, he's the guy that's going to be running this team for the next five years at least, it sounds like. Now he could do a more traditional process. Now, when Brody Van Wagenen did it, and they had Beltron and Girardi and and they went through the whole you know thing Pat Murphy and we were kind of every week we were reading something an interview here this guy was interviewed that guy was interviewed i think even maybe Tim Bogar was in that there was other names i can't remember um you know that was more played out in the media and a lot of that had to do with you know Girardi too cuz Girardi was interviewing elsewhere Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. 
Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. That's not the case. You know, there's no photo. We saw a photo of Girardi after his Philly meeting. And we don't see any photos of anything. It's almost like it's a cloak and dagger thing. So part of that is, and, and this is what you'll see. When when things get leaked in this business, I firmly, and, I, and this is my opinion, but I think it's a very well-educated opinion. I firmly believe it's through the agents. And I don't, you know, if you're a counsel and you talk to your agent, say, look, dude, we're not leaking because I'm not leaking. You're not leaking. So if the leaks happen, they're going to be on the team side. And it seems like now that a lot of the, you know, as, as Stearns comes in and cleans out whoever was there prior that he doesn't want to keep around, those guys are gone. The leaks are less and less. I mean, the owner was a big leak. The old owner, the Wilpons, Jeff, he was a big leak. But I, I really believe that. You know, I think he was part of the leak out there to people in the media that he wanted to leak to. Um, I don't think Sandy, I know Sandy didn't like to leak, but I think he had people in his front office that leaked. But I think Sandy had his favorites too. I think he, he had his favorites too. You know, everybody needs members of the media to be in their corner. And how do you do that? You give them information and an advantage. It's rather simple. It's the way the world works. So so if, what happens if counsel turns it down? Well, I think Mendoza, Carlos Mendoza, unless... He gets offered a job first by somebody else like San Diego or, you know, Cleveland decides because council's going back to Milwaukee. You know, maybe that's something there. Um, I think Carlos Mendoza sounds like he might be a real number two option. Now, he he understands New York, working side-by-side with Aaron Boone. Brian Hoke, beat reporter for the... um, the Yankees actually was one of the first Mets bloggers in history, if you guys remember, going back to the 90s. Um, talked about how he's bilingual. He's organized, basically, uh, the team during spring training. Done pretty much everything that a manager would do, working for Aaron Boone, 
We saw a little uh, tidbit from Andy Martino that he's not afraid to deliver bad news or to discipline players. You know, sometimes I think in today's world, uh, a lot of what the fans and even the media expect is almost like a player advocate because, ooh, you don't want to get those guys too mad at you. They'll lay down on you. You know what? Accountability and expectations and the covenant that happens when you take over that, hey, all of us are in this together, but we're going to build the structure together. We're going to build the accountability and the rules together and the expectations together. Once you lay it out the proper way as a leader, these guys have no other reason to, but to follow the rules because they agree to them. Now, if you come in like, uh, you know, with the old, what is the old uh, wrestler, Sergeant Slaughter? Was that his name? And you start yelling and screaming. There was a guy, and I'm going to look it up before this show is over, that used to manage the Montreal Expos. And I think he came to spring training in fatigues, almost like a general. And I got to tell you, I remember the reports, and that didn't go over well, and he didn't last long. And I'll get you that guy's name before it's all said and done. But, um, and that, it's going to drive me bananas now, because this just came to my mind, you know? Um, so you come in like that, and I bet you you guys never thought you'd have a Sergeant Slaughter. I, I am so out of the loop uh, when it comes down to wrestling. So, like, my, my wrestling exposure is, like, going to the Garden and watching Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Hulk Hogan battle Mr. Perfect and the Genius. I was a big Mr. Perfect fan. I like the Genius hitting people over the head with the scroll. I'm really going off on a tangent here. So, anyway, but what at her? I'm going off. So, it, you're not, these guys are not coming in. Even a good manager, even great leaders, even a Bill Parcells, a Pat Riley, they're coming in. They have that cachet. They have built that that persona where they get respect, but they built it on the foundation of holding players and teams accountable to principles that they themselves buy into because they're the basic fundamental, fundamental principles of winning. So I don't see any issues here with that, you know, and I, and I want a manager that's going to hold the players accountable and is not going to go up there and make excuses. And I think it's really important for whoever manages this club that they can also, as I've talked about, Put the bullpen aside and put away the obvious, which is managing the clubhouse and managing up, you know, to the front office because they're gonna they're gonna be an extension of the front office. They're not coming in here with a Dusty Baker or a Buck that wants the you know they'll say they'll work with the front office, but they still want their their lineup card in their their locker room. I think being able to communicate what's going on without giving away state secrets to the media is critically important critically important it really is so um you know uh, hopefully the Mets have made that a priority I'm sure they have and it sounds like you know even Mendoza being bilingual that's big with the you know uh influx of Latin American ball players who some who will learn the language some who won't having that connection having that ability to communicate and connect with them in their own language I think is important I really do you know uh Kudos to MLB for bringing in the interpreter to make life easier for these guys. I'd want it if I was an American ball player playing in South America or Japan and, and didn't know the language. Uh, there's no reason why it can't be part of that. But it certainly is easier when your leader is, because there's a lot of lost in context that you have there, uh, can speak the language. So that's where we're at. Uh, I've said it for weeks. This looks like it's going to be council. It really comes down to does council want New York or not? Does he want the challenge or not? Does he want to take on the yoke or not? I mean, they're going to spend money. They're going to be in the mix, and the expectations are going to be high. You may have situations like you had in 2023 where it doesn't go well, 
Uh, you may have situations where you don't always get the roster or the ball players you want because there are other teams that want to spend money. Uh, we'll talk about that in the second half. I think that's going to become less and less, that pie of teams or that sample size of teams that want to get into the deep end of the pool, but that's where you're at. Now, the Texas Rangers are champs, and why is that significant for the Mets? Well, I'll tell you why. It's significant for the Mets because if you go to Texas and you look at uh, where they've been the last few years, the Rangers really haven't been any good since... Oh, 2016. You know, similar to the Mets, who were good in 15 and 16. The Rangers finished in first place those years, made the postseason. Mets made it to the World Series that year. They've been meandering since that with, you know, 70 wins, you know, and a couple of really, especially the last couple of years, some really bad seasons, losing, uh, you know, north of 100 games in 2021, losing close to 100 games in 2022. And they go out last offseason, they go out and they get a Hall of Fame manager in Bochi. They they spend big. They bring in DeGrom. Uh, they bring in Nathan Evaldi. Uh, you know, obviously on the on the offensive side, they brought in Corey Sager the last couple of years, Marcus Simeon. And you say to yourself, you know, here's a team that won 90 games. What does this matter, Mike? What are the, you know, are the Mets going to go out and sign the best pitchers and the best hitters? And I'm not, that doesn't necessarily mean we're, I'm going. I think they're going to certainly be in the deep end of the pool for a big name play, for big name players or big time free agents. I think when you look at how the Rangers were structured, it really gives you an inkling as to how the Mets could go. Because you look at the roster up and down, it's a solid team, but it's not a dominant team. You know, they're not going to mistake in these guys for the 98 Yankees or the 27 Yankees, or some of these Dodgers teams that hasn't, haven't made the haven't finished the job, made the postseason, but haven't finished the job and won the World Series, or the Astros, or some of these teams. It's a solid team. But when you look, they have good core of offensive players, guys like Simeon, guys like Sega, who had a big year, uh, Adolis Garcia, and they have good starting pitching, John Gray, Andrew Haney, who the Mets were looking at, Nathan Evaldi. They went out and they brought in a Scherzer. DeGrom, I know that Scherzer contributed a little more than DeGrom. But look, those two guys, you know, uh, in their starts and their decisions, together combined, they were 6-2. and two, And the Rangers barely made it into the playoffs by winning the division. Uh, those six wins were big. Scherzer's wins were big. So, yes. And by the way, by the way, I am not in the camp where people are angry about those three guys. Jen, everyone loved Jankowski. Was he a real, you know, you know, grinder, you know, player that got his uniform dirty? Degrom and Scherzer got their rings. I have nothing against them. I think negative energy and rooting against and all that. And I know this sounds goofy, maybe to some of you, but put away the negative energy because it's not going to make anything easier or make things better for the Mets. And it's really not worth it. They went, they got money in the case of DeGrom. Scherzer didn't want to go there. The Mets traded him there, and they won a title. And they got a ring, and good for them. But you look at the Mets, and you look at where the league is now, and I wrote about this um, in the newsletter last week about the tournament era. We're truly in the tournament era. And you heard a lot of complaints. Rob Manfred even said they may look at the postseason the way it's structured, but this has been going on for years. You're always going to have three or four teams that are going to lose 100 games. Teams that are just not interested in winning, 
looking to reboot, get themselves some job security, build up their farm systems, owners that don't necessarily want to go in the red. And look, whether you believe it or not, running a baseball team is expensive. The margins aren't exactly robust when it comes to the actual team. It's their RSNs, but RSNs are on a real... um, I, I think that bubble's bursting before us with all the Bally situation and cord cutting. And, you know, we talked about it on this show. You know, large majority of people are not sports fans. So if you have a choice of paying, you know, $350 for your cable bill or kicking out the sports and doing some streaming, look, <laughs> the only reason I got cables for sports, I wouldn't have cable either if it wasn't for sports. And, and, and I'm, that's me telling you that. We talked about this. So... You're going to see a league where you're going to have the really bad. You're going to have two or three really good teams. And then everybody kind of is in the middle. And really, 85 and 95, it comes down to one or two wins a month. And those can be swung with some basic things, things that we talk about all the time. Good starting pitching, which you can acquire and you can develop. And I'm not talking about the aces. I'm talking about just solid starters. Bullpens, they're very very finicky, but you could go out and it's still, it's expensive, but every team in some way, shape or form could find value in the bullpen and even get affordable bullpen arms. And then depth, depth comes in the form of getting, you know, some value, some 4A guys like Jankowski's guys like that, that, you know, can contribute. And, you know, obviously guys in your farm system, but you could always go out and get depth pieces. So you look at what Texas has done. You look at the league and the parity of the league, which I don't think is going to change. And you're always going to look up and see teams like the Dodgers and the Braves. And you're going to say to yourself, geez, those guys are so tough to beat. And over 162 games, a lot of times they are. Houston, you know, maybe not this year. But but as it comes down to, once you get into this tournament, you could win. So all the Mets have to do, and I really believe if the Mets had kept the band together and not, had ripped it apart. I think they had a chance to sneak into this postseason. I really think they might have gotten hot. I mean, they had won at Yankee Stadium. I thought they were starting to come together. Now, I know that the probability of that happening still was long. And the probability of them getting into the postseason, look, Scherzer got hurt. Uh, you know, Verlander probably wasn't enough. Uh, you know, they still didn't get Diaz back. I think that was a big part of it. You know, if Diaz really was coming back, I wonder if their attitude would have changed. But ultimately, you look at this, you say the Mets are not that far away, and you look at what they had, you know, they're still going to have to build, a, and we'll talk about that in the second half here of the program. You know, you build yourself a st- solid rotation. The Mets have a good core of offensive hitters. They could build around that. They have some pitching prospects that maybe are not too far away. They showed that they have some depth of rotation, and some of their kids pitched pretty well down the stretch. We just saw some exciting projections on steamer about david peterson i was blown away you know maybe maybe there's a gem here maybe peterson's the gem and you look at what texas did i mean they're no great shakes i mean why can't the mets get into the tournament and do this i mean look at their bullpen what will smith is their closer i mean aroldis chapman you know pitched fairly well uh coming over from kansas city they you know you look up and down the rotation, you know, the Mets could go out and bring in guys that are the equivalent of John Gray and Andrew Haney and Nathan Avaldi. I mean, really, is J- is Jordan Montgomery uh, any different? The Mets signing a Jordan Montgomery any, any different than, than what Texas did with Evaldi? Now, there's not a Degrom out there. Well, there is maybe in Yamamoto, but you know what I'm talking about. And I mean, when you look at the Mets, you know, the the, the Texas offense, you know, Jonah Heim, kind of like Francisco Alvarez. I think Alvarez is better. Uh, Simeon and Sager. 
mean, you're going to tell me guys like Lindor and Pete Alonso and Nimmo can't live up to the same, you know, Dulles Garcia's in there. They're not, you know, as good of offensive talent as what those guys are. I mean, sure, you have the Braves in the division and the Phillies who are another very similar to the uh, Rangers solid team. And the Marlins just got one of the best young executives, you know, from Tex- uh, from Tampa and Bendix just announced a few hours ago. So, you know, I've said they've always been tough. It's a tough division and the Nats are getting better. They're bad, but they're better. So they're not an easy cream puff. It's not like you're playing, you know, two or three hundred lost teams, but this is doable. And you got the brightest mind that in the front office that people thought were out there. You may be on the verge of bringing in, just like the Rangers brought in Bochi as a manager, you may be on the verge of bringing in um, the best manager, quote unquote, in the game in council. Why can't the Mets be in a position where this year, uh, next year at this time, we're talking about a championship or a pennant or a much different situation? Why not? In in the past, you would say it's hopeless. And you look at the Mets, they've, you know, they had an okay 2019. They had a really good 2022. But other than that, since the World Series, you know, they got into the postseason. They snuck in for a wild card game in 16. But similar to the Rangers since 2015, they've been very, very similar. Mets haven't been really that good. They were bad in 17. They were bad in 18. They were okay in 19. The pandemic season was a disaster. The season itself was a joke. They fell apart in 21. Why not? So very interesting how you see the Rangers and it should be motivation and a clue the way the postseason went that this truly is the tournament era of baseball. And shameless plug, if you want to read more about it, I wrote about it at substack.com slash at talkaboutsnoG. But you're going to have to sign up for the newsletter for that. Sorry, guys. You guys are you guys are going to kill me. I'm not going to keep doing it. I really think it's a cool letter. I think it's a cool newsletter. I really do, and I, I'm excited about it. And uh, we might run some promotions, too, around it to see if people want to win some freebies, and we'll get into that at another time. So anyway, all right, let's take a quick break. i got to take a breath here. When we come back, we're going to start building the 2024 Mets. And it starts, in my opinion, with the starting rotation. And that's going to be tricky because you got a couple of different things you're going to be working on on here. You want to build up the rotation, being mindful that you have some young kids that may be able to uh, contribute. You have to continue to have a strong farm system, which is an edict of Steve Cohen. But because of the luxury tax, you're being penalized on draft picks. And you may not want to invest in guys that lose your draft picks who get the, given the qualifying offer. So it limits some of the top arms that are out there. And also some of the top arms that are out there, I think, are very risky contracts and can continue to allow for sunk cost, bad payroll that eventually may hamper the Mets' ability to spend. May. We'll see. So, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with more right after this. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.